I love the book of John, and I love the, the amazing word pictures that John has for Jesus. And there's a whole series, there's seven, it's called the seven I am's. And you've heard some of these, and I love them. Uh, Jesus uh, has said, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the door. And then I love John 10, 11. For I am the good shepherd. That's what we want to get in today. What does that mean when we hear that phrase, he is the good shepherd? Jesus, the good shepherd, protects his disciples then and now with his words, with his spirit, and with his promise of a life that is coming that is better than the life that we have today. It's interesting. One of the things I love about Psalms 23, that the Lord is my shepherd, is of all the animals, and I want you to think about all the animals in the Bible, do you know what animal we are compared to more than any other animal? It's the sheep, and there's a reason for that. And those of you that have raised sheep know that they are, uh, they're just not the smartest animal in the barnyard, and they wander off, and, and they're defenseless. I mean, you, you don't see, like a high school team, we are the fighting sheep. You know, you don't, they, just, they are just like a big cotton ball. Uh, and from what I understand, not a, a really smart cotton ball. So there's a reason why we're compared time and time again to sheep. And here's the one thing we know. A sheep, they need protection. We need protection. And so that's our word today. We're going to talk about how Jesus, the good shepherd, protects us. And uh, when you have visuals of what those shepherds look like then, and you can picture them with their long staff and their rods, uh, that's not what the modern day shepherd looks like. Matter of fact, uh, this video was given to me and I absolutely love it. This may be the best part of the sermon right here. I'm telling you, this is amazing, and it's called, <laughs> this is so cool, Extreme Shepherding. And so for a couple of minutes, just sit back, and I think you're going to enjoy how brilliant shepherds are today and how they can train sheep. We all have hope after we watch this, so check this out. We get in there. We get in there. Well, that's better. That's better. That's more like it now. That's good. Looking good. 
right, let's give him a big hand. There's actually another, there's another minute. I'm telling you, it's so good. I love it. They're uh, in Scotland and Ireland. Don't you love that? Hey, we're going to sit him up for Pong. I just love that. I just love that. It's amazing when you think about the good shepherd and, it, and what the shepherd does for us. And so that's what we're going to walk through. We're going to take the Psalms. We're going to break it into two verses at a time. And I think you'll see just how amazing uh, God is in our lives that he truly is the good shepherd. If you're following in your bulletin in the, on the outline, you can jot some of these down. But the good shepherd is enough. Psalms 23, 1 and 2. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In the King James, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Right there, tucked away in verse 1, is for our world today. And that is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you're a person who writes in your Bible, would you highlight or circle that word want? Because I want you to think about how hard it is to separate in our world what we need as opposed to what? What we want. I mean, that is every day, that is attention. A want is a desire to possess or to do something that is wished for, but a need, that is a requirement. It is something that is essential or very important rather than just desirable. And so here's this tension every day of our lives between what I really want and what I really need. There's an inter interesting business process that I heard of recently, and the, the, they use the acronym Moscow, and the letters O don't mean a thing. But they said, as you are putting together your vision and the purpose of your business, which then leads to the budget, you need to put this theory into motion. And so here's the four questions they ask with that acronym. The M is must have. In other words, in life, you'd say, what do I uh, have to have, I must have in business. As I put a budget together and I look at the values and the mission, it's like, absolutely, this has to happen. The S is should, I should have. In other words, there are things, all of us have things in our list that we get around to it. You know, we should have that. We were just laughing today. Uh, I love the welcome team today. We really had the gauntlet going today. So anyway, as you came in and the discussion was, why do so many people wait until there's a snowstorm and like, we probably should get a snow shovel or, you know, we know it's coming. You ever know that? So we know that we should have things in life. We put things off. And then there's the, I could have. Think how many times you have the money or you have the time, but you ask yourself, I could have it, but is that the most important thing? And then the last one is won't. In other words, no. Every parent and grandparent, you know what I'm talking about. I can still remember vividly. Uh, I just love to go shopping with my mom. Anyway, I can remember being on the cart, and I couldn't wait till she'd turn her head because then I would shuffle things in there, you know, you know. And my mom would literally stop at the line and go, this, 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 take it back right now. And I learned real quick this easy little word. You know what? No. All the time, no, no, no. You know, and I'd go, all the other kids, you know, you know, and I would call, like, I'm going to call child services. And my mom would say, here's the number. You know, I mean, it was just like, <laughs> no. Okay, now here's the deal. There are times in our life that the wants are just taking us over. And sometimes we need to hear God say, no, no. That's not a priority in life. 
That's not where you need to invest your time. That's not where you need to invest your money in no way. Now, why is this so important today? Does anybody know what's going to happen in 59 days? Come on, some of you have already been singing Christmas carols on the way in. You can humming it and it's going on. So we know Christmas is coming. And boy, if that is ever when the wants are just at the highest level. But through the wants, here's what I love in our life about our good shepherd is he's there to protect us. He is there to protect us. And that's huge. I love the story in 1 Samuel 17. Even if you're not a churchgoer, you've heard the story of David and Goliath. And long before David drops the giant, there's this amazing conversation that he has with Saul. Nobody is going to stand up against this giant. And then here's this shepherd boy who comes in the presence of the king and says, I'll fight the giant. And he tries to actually even give him, if you remember, uh, weaponry and give him the armor. And he's like, no, 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 that'll just, I don't, I don't need that at all. Do you remember what David shared with the king? And this had nothing to do with David. It was because David had so much faith in God who protected him. He said, why are you afraid of this giant? I mean, I'm a shepherd boy and I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. Uh, I, I've taken down huge animals. Do you understand that God was with me? All I had was a sling and some stones and the protection of God. And yet here's this guy mocking you. More importantly, he's mocking God, and you're taking it? No, no. You let God's protection take over. And he did. I love this story. I have my own theory about David and Goliath. Uh, Anybody know how many stones David took when he killed Goliath? Anybody remember? He had five, okay. And he took him out with one. Do you know why I believe he had five? Tradition says that Goliath had four brothers. I think David went out there like, bring them. Every, I'll drop every one of your family right now. I really do. And David's like, you really think you, you're not, you have nothing compared to what I've got. I've got God's protection. I want you to know you've got God's protection, and God's protection is enough. Maybe another way to put it is God's protection is sufficient. Let this scripture right now encourage you. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace Another word to say that is, my protection is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so Christ's power may rest on me. Now, when you read that, you need to understand something. Paul, right before that, was begging God three times, God, I have a want. Take away this physical pain. Three times he begged God, and ultimately he said, no. That's the wrong prayer. My prayer is, God, your grace, which means your protection is sufficient. I want you to know that this morning. God's patience and love and protection is sufficient. Here's the second thing I love is that the good shepherd restores the broken. Verses 3 and 4, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And yea, even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He restores the broken. Now, in my opinion, there are two things in life that rob us of our joy and cause us to feel broken, fatigue and fear. Let me talk for just a second about fatigue. 
uh, there's a, it's not so much a phenomenon. We hear it a lot, and you'll hear people say this a lot, and they'll just say uh, about, usually it starts at work, and then it bleeds into your home, and they'll say, I am just burnt out. How many of you uttered that word this year at least once? I'm burnt out. Good. Okay, look around. Enjoy misery. Okay. <laughs> so the American Psychological Association, which I read that on, on the side. Anyway, the American Psychological Association said that 61% of all Americans rated and ranked this stressed and burnt out. Just literally crispy and on the edge. Burnout is an ex external period of time when, where some experience causes exhaustion, a lack of interest in things that result uh, directly in poor job performance. You feel paralyzed. Uh, it's a terrible place to be when you feel burnout. Some of you, I guarantee, are feeling it right now. Matter of fact, it's interesting. Here are the signs. Absolute exhaustion. Uh, it should go home. You take a nap, you wake up, and you're more exhausted. Your health begins to decline. Uh, you develop poor eating habits. You have no motivation. Lack of focus and concentration. And then you become overly negative. Um, I can always tell when I'm fatigued, always. Because I, I, there's two things, and Maria will tell you, I do two things when I'm really tired. I eat terrible. Uh, whatever's, I mean, if there's leftovers, the dog bowl, I don't care. I mean, I will eat just, and then the other one is just this, uh, I can get sarcastic with the people that I love the most. And uh, you hear the word snarky, you know, I just, you know, you just kind of have that little edge. And uh, that's when you kind of know, man, maybe there's some burnout right now. Maybe I push myself beyond. Now, there's some practical ways uh, that we can work against burnout, uh, and we know that by eating healthy to have a more balanced schedule. I mean, there's books and books and books. But I want to share with you something that over the years um, has helped me. And it is something that I just let you know. For 2020, this is right at the very top of my list, is I want to equip as many people as I can to get with small groups of people to do what I'm about ready to share with you. Because I've seen it change life. It's changed my life, to be honest with you. And it's too simple. It's just so simple but I'm telling you, it makes all the difference. Years ago, I read a book, and the minister was actually going through years of burnout, and his name was Wayne Cordero, and he wrote a book called Divine Mentor, okay? And he developed a system, and it's a very simple thing, and he's done it for like 35, 40 years, and he said, this is what keeps me from going off the edge sometimes, overscheduling and feeling like I've pulled away from God. He said, this, this has helped. And so here's what he did. He put together, and it's called the SOAP method. I shared this with you before. But I, I want you to know, here's how you set it up. All you need is five things. It's this easy. And I guarantee if you will commit to this, and I don't mean for a, a week. You've got to commit to this for a while. You'll see God starting to calm down uh, your fatigue and this fear and this burnout. Okay? Here's the first thing. You get out a Bible, okay, so you're sitting at your table. That's pretty simple. You get out a journal of some kind. Any notebook will do, okay. This is a big one. Then your planner, whatever you use, if it's on your phone, you put all your stuff on the phone, use that. If you use an old school calendar, you set that up. And then this is when it really gets fun. You use a pen, and then I'm addicted to markers. So anyway, you use a pen and a marker. You just set it there. Now, you know what you do? 
you decide on what your scripture is going to be. So there's your scripture. So just here's the, the letters, S-O-A-P. So what's my scripture? And you can decide it's the book of John, or I'm going to read one chapter a day, or one chapter, it doesn't matter, but you're going to literally block this time to do this. I'm going to read through the scripture. And then I'm going to prayerfully read through the scripture again, and here's the O, what did you observe about what you just read? What did you observe? And then you read it another time, and you'd say, how does that apply to me? In other words, what's my next step? And write it in the journal every day. You write soap, you write it out, and then P is prayer. Pray over the the scripture. But here's the big one, pray for other people. Because you know what happens, at least for me, when I'm going through burnout? You know who I think about? Me. That's all I think about. I don't start thinking about others. Now, I'm telling you, if you do that consistently, you practice, that's called SOAP, and you can build your own journal. But here's what makes it click. This is what I want to do in 2020. I'd love to get groups of three or four. Because if you sit down with somebody else, and you're reading through the same scripture, and you're talking about how that applied to you, and what you're learning, and that you're praying for one another, it'll change your life. That's what Jesus did. He took those disciples, and that's exactly the process. Let's Let's not just talk about Scripture. Let's get in this Scripture. Let's let God do what only God can do through His Word. And i got to be honest, churches many times, they take shortcuts. And I'm telling you, there's no secret sauce and shortcut other than God's Word. Because you get into God's Word, God's Spirit comes alive, and guess what happens? All of a sudden, where you felt burnout before, you feel strength like you've never had before. Is it your strength? No. 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 So... I want to challenge you to try that. Fatigue is real, and so is fear. Now, it's interesting. I, I did a little word study on that word fear, and the word you hear a lot is phobia. So first of all, let me explain a phobia. A phobia is an intense fear of something that in reality poses little or no actual uh, danger. So you hear a lot about phobias. I'm not talking about phobias. So let me give you an example of a phobia. I love to uh, go out on trails. I live near McCormick Tree. I just absolutely love trails. Love to get out in the middle of nowhere. <clears throat> There's not one time that I've ever hiked, as beautiful as it is, as I'm walking around. I'll just look around, and I'm taking it in, and I'll have this thought, that would be a great place for a snake. Now, I know nobody else has that weird kind of fear. Have I ever been bit by a snake? No. That doesn't mean I never will, but I've thought it. You ever had a fear like that, this kind of underlying, you don't even know why? Here's another weird, I guess this is a phobia. As I approach a door, if I can't see somebody on the other side, I have this weird, like, somebody's going to open that door and break my fingers. You know, like you're reaching for it? I think I've got issues. You know, I mean, all of us, (laughs) don't we have, if we we got these weird things, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about legitimate fear, that there is something going on in your life, and it nearly paralyzes you emotionally. What do you do with that? And here's what he promises us. And I love what the author does. David says, listen, I know all about fear. And I was a shepherd. And I I know what it was even walk the sheep and there was a trail and they call it the shadow of death because there was this very dangerous area that I used to walk. And I know the greatest fear is this, death. Let's just put it right on the table. Let's just talk about death. Even when you walk through that, I'm with you. And let me tell you what I know is an absolute truth. Everyone in this 
room is going to have to deal with the fear of dying and the fear of losing someone we love. That is very real in life. That's why I believe one of the most beautiful things about Psalms 23, it depends on what age you are when you read that psalm. When I was in my 20s and I would preach this, I would try to come up with a clever word story or a cute story about sheep. Because when I read about, yea, though you walk through the valley of death, I'm like, look, look how young I am, blah, blah, blah. Now, as I'm approaching 60, guess what? A little different. I read this, and I'm like, wow, God, this is so real. And I thank you for your protection, even when I have these fears about death. Maybe some of you had the same fear in your life. I love this quote, that we are safe and protected not because of the absence of danger, but because of the presence of God. Let me say that again. We are safe and protected not because of the absence of danger, but because of the presence of God. And then last of all, the good shepherd provides hope beyond this world. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You ever wonder about that phrase? You put a table in the presence of my enemies. You read that and go, that doesn't make any sense, but it really does. What the psalmist is saying, he's telling all of us, is you're, you're going to have these things in life that are going to bear down on you, but there's another side. And that other side isn't this world. There's another world. And there's another table. Nobody can take that away from you. You just let God do what only God can do. Let me tell you how real that is for me. I guarantee it's how real it is for you when I talk about how important that table is in the presence of your enemies and the struggles of this world. When I sit down, as you will, <clears throat> uh, at the Thanksgiving table, uh, I love Thanksgiving. And here's what I love about it. There's actually two things. I love it in the present. I love being with my wife and my kids. I loved it when we used to travel and we would sit together as a family. Um, I just love being with family and that very special meal. I love looking around the neighborhood and other neighborhoods and see where all the cars are lined up and think, it's going on right there. It's going on right there. I mean, I, I love that feeling. I just, there's something about the present and this, this attitude of, man, God, you're so good. But here's the other thing is, I love the table of the future. I'll tell you, one of the saddest Thanksgiving is for years we used to go to St. Louis and hang out with uh, the Robertson side, and my brother would cut the turkey every year, and I got another brother that hates turkey, so we would make, you know, spaghetti or whatever. I mean, all the laughing that would go on. Um, and I remember when my brother's health failed, and he couldn't do that anymore and asked me to cut the turkey. And then I remember the first Thanksgiving that they didn't house anymore when my brother had passed away. So I think about the future table. I think about a day when I'm going to have my dad and my mom. I think about my in-laws that I love so much. I think about those that over the years I've had a chance to have friendships with that are with the Lord. There's another table out there, folks, and it is going to be amazing. You want to know what's amazing about that table? No calories. Can I have an amen? I mean, this table, that is a meal you can't even comprehend. 
And that's exactly what he's saying here. David's saying, hey, listen, I want you to know that we all have fears, we all have struggles, and we have hope. Not just in this world, but hope beyond this world. He said, the, the good shepherd, he anoints our heads with oil. And it's awesome because the shepherd, one of the primary tasks is to help the sheep. They're so defenseless, they use oil. And that oil is a mixture of olive oil and spices. It prevents gnats and fleas. It helps heal the sheep. And when oil is used in the Old Testament, it is always representative of a blessing of God. And in the New Testament, it is a, a part of God's healing through the Holy Spirit. I love the idea that we have a shepherd that takes care of the details and can heal us for a better future. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Nobody, nobody can take that away. I was reading um, something that was interesting as we talk about protection. And as, uh, as I started this sermon, I'm just going to be honest, there's always been a question I've had about God's protection and the prayer of Jesus in John 17. And I wondered how that lined up with Psalms 23. So I want to share my struggle with you. And as I prayed through this, I hope maybe this will encourage you. In John 17, starting in verse 12, Jesus says this in this amazing prayer. While I was with them, he's talking about the disciples, I protected them. I kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except one doomed to destruction so that scriptures would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still in this world, so that they may have full measure of my joy within them. Having given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world anymore, more than I am not of the world. Now listen to this in verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Now, here's why this has always been puzzling for me. Jesus knows that he's leaving this world. So he says this prayer over his disciples on behalf of them. And he said, God, protect them because I've protected them up to this point. Now, here's why to me that can be confusing. Do you have any idea how those disciples died? I won't give you all of them, but you know a few. The Bible specifically tells us Judas hanged himself. James, the son of Zebedee, was executed uh, by being beheaded. Tradition and legend tells us that Andrew uh, took the message of Christ all the way to Russia, and then he was crucified, that Thomas took the message of Christ to Syria and then India, and four soldiers uh, took swords out to take his life. Philip made it all the way to North Africa and Asia. He actually converted the wife of a Roman uh, proconsul, and then he was cruelly put to death. Paul was beheaded, and Peter, tradition says, was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified like his Savior. Now, does that sound like they were protected? Yes, they were. Why? He's not talking about physical protection. That's what we talk about. God, will you physically protect me? And that's important. But you, need, you know what's more important? Spiritual protection. Because let me tell you, folks, we're in a war aren't we? And when we go through the stresses and the struggles in life, and we're all going to face them, God never says, you're never going to have any struggles. What he says is, my presence is with you. I am with you. That's the good shepherd. That in this kingdom, when we give our life to him, he is with us every step of the way. That's the courage we have in 
God. He truly is the good shepherd, and his spirit does protect us. I read about the early Native Americans, and they had an interesting tradition to help a young boy become a man. And uh, here's what they would do. Uh, When a boy turned 13 on his 13th birthday, after learning how to make a fire, hunting, and how to fish, and uh, learned all those things, but on his 13th birthday, he was blindfolded. Imagine this taken miles away, deep in the woods, and then dropped off by himself. And he was simply told in the morning, try to make your way home. Now imagine what that would be like today. (laughs) Maybe some of you are trying to imagine that. Okay, so if you have a junior high student. But here was the coolest part of this tradition. You can only imagine what a 13-year-old boy would do dense in these woods. He's going to He's going to make a fire that he learned how to make, and he's going to keep that fire going all night, and that's about all he's going to get done. I guarantee it. But then in the morning hours, do you know what he saw first? His dad. And his dad would be standing in the distance, and he'd see him there with his bow and his arrow because he'd been there all night to protect his son. He just didn't know it until the morning. And then as a father or son or that patriarch, the oldest, then they would make their way back. And that was the first day that he became a man. Now, what did he learn? Well, he learned a lot more than how to hunt and fish and make a fire. What did he learn? The presence of a father. We have that presence too. No matter how scary it is right now, whatever it is you're dealing with right now, that feels like you're deep in the woods, like you're just trying to get by, guess what? The presence of God is with you. That's a good shepherd. That's the shepherd that we have given our lives to. That's the shepherd that loves you and the shepherd that will protect you. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.